I'm done. We say that sometimes, don't we? Mike looked back. I think he was a little worried there. <laughs> Usually when we say that, we're frustrated. We might say, I'm done with this project. I'm done with this relationship, whatever it is. Let's just say, I'm done. I'm through. I, I can't take it anymore. I've done all that I can do, and things are not getting better. Sometimes it means I've, I've done what I think is the right thing over and over and over, and we're still right where we always were. Or I've tried to mix it up. I've tried to figure out what the solution is to this problem. And whatever I try, things are not getting better. I'm just done because I'm so over dealing with this problem, whatever it is. Lots of us have said that or even felt it if we haven't said it sometime in life because we can't see some path forward to, to make things better. We just feel like we're going to be beating our head against the wall over and over and we're tired of it. We don't want to do it anymore. We don't have the energy for it anymore. So we're just ready to say, I'm done. Now that can happen in lots of different contexts in our lives. It might have to do with work, whether your work is in an office or a classroom or on a farm or whatever it is you do. There's a problem there, there's some complication, and you've tried to solve it, and you've tried to solve it again, and you've tried to solve it a different way, and you've sought out expert advice, and you've read something, and you've gone to a conference, or whatever you could do to deal with the problem you've done, and the problem is still there, and you're ready to say, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done dealing with it. Could be in a relationship, couldn't it? where the other person just is not willing to deal with the problem. You want to fix whatever is between you and that other person. You want to deal with it. You want it to, to go away so that you can move on together. Maybe you want to fix the other person and whatever problem they've got. And you've tried, and over and over, you've tried again, and it seems like instead of the relationship healing, there's just more conflict, more trouble. And after a while, you're ready to say, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore because it is not getting better. Maybe you've dealt with an addiction, either in your own life or in the life of someone you love. And there are times when it feels like, okay, it's getting a little better because you've put everything into it. All your willpower is there or their willpower is there. And you think it's finally going to go away. And then before you know it, back in the same old patterns, the same mistakes. And you just want to say, I'm done. I can't face this anymore. And you know, occasionally in life, there are times when we're dealing with a problem, dealing with an issue, and we, we just need to pack it up and go because it's over. It's time to stop dealing with it. And we have to say, I really am done with this. But more often than not, I think we're called to persevere. I think we're called to figure out the solution, to keep trying because of commitments or responsibilities that we have. We're called to keep going in this thing. But the question is, how do we do that? Well, today I want us to think about that. As we continue the series that we're calling Reset here at the beginning of this new year, I want us to, to think about how, yeah, it doesn't help just to turn the page of a calendar. All the problems are still there. We found out that 2021 is not a whole lot easier than 2020 was. But how do we reset ourselves and allow God to reset us 
so that we are becoming the people that God wants us to be and we're doing the things that God has called us to do. How do we reset that? And one of the things we have to think about is dealing with the problems that are in life and in relationships and in workplaces and classrooms and and how do we keep going? Well, Scripture has some help with that. And that's what I want us to turn today, a couple of passages that I think can inform us as we attempt to persevere in the things that really do matter in life. And so the first one is really sort of a description of the kind of people that we are. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. The writer says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back, who give up, who are afraid to keep going. We're not part of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We as Christians are not people who are afraid to try and just give up and fall apart. We're part of those who have faith and persevere. That's part of our character as followers of Jesus Christ. And we see that at work in Jesus' life, right? Jesus kept going in the midst of all kinds of opposition. We certainly see that at work in the life of the early church in the book of Acts as they kept going in the midst of all kinds of opposition. So if we're that kind of people who keep going, how do we do it? Well, a great passage to turn to, and maybe one that's familiar to you, is found at the end of the book of Ephesians. Paul's letter to this church that he had a close relationship with. We actually talked about the first three chapters of this letter last year in pretty good detail. But today I want us to turn to the end of the letter, where Paul sort of brings it all to a conclusion, this this great peroration, we might say, where he has this rousing conclusion that helps them build up their faith. And and Paul's talking about this armor of God that we've heard of. He says it this way in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. As we think about perseverance, here's the beginning of it. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. There's the key. Paul doesn't say, okay, gather up all your own strength because that's what's going to get you through. Well, we know that's not true because we know ourselves. We know at times how weak we can be and how easy it is for us to give up. Paul doesn't say gather all your own strength. Paul says be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power because it's God's strength that helps us persevere. When life is really difficult and when we feel like saying, I'm done, the place to turn is not inward the place to turn is to God because it's his strength that gets us through but how does that work verse 11 Paul begins to lay that out put on the full armor of God and he's going to describe that armor a couple verses later we'll come back to that put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes so that you can persevere right So whatever the devil throws at you, you're going to be ready. And he's going to use this image, a common image in the ancient world, especially in a town as large as Ephesus, of a Roman soldier. And they had this armor that they wore head to toe that would protect them against all of their enemies. People would have seen this. They knew exactly what Paul was talking about. And Paul says, we've got enemies too. And at times we feel like we're in a battle. And we need protection in the midst of that battle. 
But in verse 12, Paul lays out what that battle looks like. And in some ways it's surprising to us because he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now if I said, who's your enemy? Most of us could come up with a name, right? We can think of people that, at least at some point in life, have been an enemy. I mean, it feels like they were working against us. Paul says, that's not your enemy. Your enemy's not flesh and blood. Your enemy is not another person. In fact, when we hear Jesus talk, our enemies are the people that we're supposed to love, right? People are to be loved. People are to to be encouraged to come to faith in Jesus Christ so that that would transform them. Our enemies are not people as much as it may feel like they are. As much as it may feel like there's a person out there opposing you, Paul says that's not your enemy. Your enemy is the devil's schemes in verse 11. Your enemy is the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. The spiritual forces. The first step in winning the battle is to understand who the enemy is. Paul says, and we don't talk about this a lot, but that we're in a spiritual battle. That Satan is at work in our lives. Attempting to tear us down calling us to give up what matters most. Calling us to say, I'm done. Paul says if you want to win the battle, recognize the enemy. And the enemy is not the person who may oppose you, but the spiritual forces which are at work behind that. The dark forces of this world. And that's uncomfortable. We don't really like to think about that. It's a little creepy in a way. But Paul says that's the real enemy. And if you find a victory there, you find a real victory. Winning against another person is not a real victory. Because then we're not loving them, and then we're not bringing them to Jesus. But winning against the dark forces, that's a real victory. So how do we oppose Satan? How do we oppose the real enemy? Paul says it this way. He begins in verse 13 describing this armor. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and I think he's talking about any day that can bring evil, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. So whatever comes, you're ready to stand up and face it, not because you're so strong, but because God's at work. Here's the armor. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Six things that Paul says we should take up, that we should wear. How are those six things going to help us in this spiritual battle? How are these six things going to help us persevere in the things that we really need to persevere in? Well, I think each one of them brings something to the table that guides us to keep going when we're ready to say, I'm done. Paul talks about truth. You know, we need truth in a battle. 
We need to know, first of all, who the enemy is, like we talked about, and we need to know how the enemy works. You know, there are times when we tell ourselves lies. We tell ourselves, oh, this is just going to go away. This addiction that I'm dealing with, I'm, I've got control over it. I can fix this. It's not as bad as someone might say it is. I don't really need help. We need the truth. We need the truth that calls out sin for what it is, sin. We need the truth that says, I'm not in control. We need truth, and God gives us truth. We need righteousness, Paul says. If we're going to succeed in a spiritual battle, then we need to know what's right and pure. And Scripture lays that out. God is very clear about what's right and wrong, what's good and evil. Even in this passage that this is a spiritual battle, what's right? Well, God is what's right. And if we follow what's right, we can win in the spiritual battle. If we handle the difficult things in life in a way that brings honor to God, we are making progress. Truth and righteousness. Paul says we need the gospel of peace. What brings peace? Ultimately, what brings peace is the gospel. Because the gospel is the good news that God has offered Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins, to to bring us back to Him, to make peace between us and God. The gospel of peace is all about God loving us even when we don't deserve it. God offering His Son even while we were still sinners. The good news is there really is peace in my relationship with God, that God loves me so much that He's willing to offer His Son to overcome the ways that I've pushed Him away in my sin. That God is powerful over evil. That's the good news. The gospel of peace, salvation, or faith, excuse me, is next. Our faith is what says, I'm believing in Jesus Christ. I'm believing that God is more powerful than I am. I'm believing that God is more powerful than any force at work in the world. That carries us through. We need faith in this battle. And then salvation. To recognize there's only one winner in the end. That all these spiritual forces that Paul talks about are going to be defeated and are being defeated day by day that God wins the battle. Our faith points us in that direction. That as much as sin may at times have control over us, at least it feels that way, there's salvation in the end. And then finally, the Spirit of God, which is His Word. The Spirit inhabits us. The Spirit fills us. The Spirit is always with us. And one of the ways we know that is through God's Word. And certainly as we're in battle, we need the Word of God to guide us. Now if we take those six things that Paul says we need, six things that we've got to have in this battle to keep going, six things that help us to get past saying, I'm done. What does that mean for us? I'd put it this way. We keep going Because God keeps us going. We keep going because God is at work in our lives. 
We don't keep going because we're so extra strong or we're better than other people or somehow we're special. We keep going. When we feel like saying, I'm done, we keep going because God keeps us going. And those six things are the things that God uses to keep us going. Three things that I think we can keep in our heads that will help us keep going with God's strength. The first of all is to acknowledge your frustration. Man, there are times when you are going to feel like saying, I'm done. And maybe you don't mean I'm done forever. What you mean is I'm done. Man, right now, I'm just done. I can't do any more right now. And maybe in a few hours or a few days or a few weeks, I'll be ready to pick this back up and keep going. But right now, I don't want to do anymore. Well, it's good to acknowledge that, right? If we pretend like it's not there, it's only going to get worse. And so we need to say, man, I really am frustrated. And we can do that in prayer. And you know what? We need each other for that too. It is important to have somebody around you, friends, spouse, coworkers, fellow Christians, the people in this room are great for that, to say, you know what? And I'm really frustrated. I feel like I've been in battle and it feels like I'm losing and I'm ready to give up. We need to acknowledge those feelings because only then can we say, okay, what can I do? What do I need to do to overcome the frustration and maintain the perseverance that will make me the person that God has called me to be? Now, here's the second one, and this one is more complicated. Decide what you won't give up on. We have a lot of commitments in our lives, don't we? A lot of commitments. And some of those commitments are lifelong. In fact, we have a commitment that is eternal. Our commitment to Jesus Christ, that's an eternal commitment. When we follow Jesus Christ, we are saying, I'm going to spend the rest of this life serving Jesus. I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. And because of that, I'm going to spend eternity with God praising Him. It lasts forever. So when we think about what are the commitments that I can give up, that's not one of them, is it? And ultimately, that's the one that allows us to keep all the rest. Because that's what fills us with the Spirit of God. That's the commitment that allows us to see the things that Paul's talking about. Truth and righteousness and the gospel of peace and faith and salvation and His Spirit. So there's one we won't give up on. If you're married somewhere along the way, you made a promise to another person. And you, know, you said, I'm committing my life to you. Some of our wedding ceremonies say those very words. It's a covenant, just like our covenant relationship with God, where we say, God, I'm going to follow you, and, and I know what to expect because of who you are. Now, we also know that in a marriage relationship, we're saying, listen, I'm committed to you until one of us dies. We know there are some exceptions, right, where that relationship can be broken. But those are the exceptions. Most of the time... In a marriage relationship, what we have to say is, okay, this is frustrating at the moment. This is even hard at the moment. How do we move forward? How do we make it work? Because this is not one we give up on. As parents, 
When that child comes into our lives, it's not one of those things that we can say, well, I'll do this for a while, right? I'll do this till it gets difficult. Well, we wouldn't do it for very long, would we? Because it's not always easy. And it can bring some of the greatest joy in life and some of the greatest challenge in life. We don't give up on it, though. We need the perseverance that comes from the full armor of God as parents. Now, we could name other commitments in life that are long-term, maybe even lifelong. Then there are others that we just sort of have to evaluate along the way, right? Commit to a job, commit to an education program. Is that lifelong? No, probably not. How long does it last? Well, it depends. So we have to look at that and say, okay, where am I in this? Is this something that I should keep doing? We can name lots of different things, whether it's to some organization, whatever. Lots of different things, but we have to decide, okay, what are the things that are non-negotiable? And what are the things I have to evaluate along the way? There are some things that I'm called to persevere in for the rest of my life. What are those things? Let's set that out. Even though I'm frustrated, even though it may be difficult, even though I don't know what the next step is, these are the things that I've got to depend on God to keep me going And as long as I have breath, what are some things that are not? Because there's no reason beating my head against the wall on those. Where do I need to persevere? And then finally, depend on God's strength. And this is the key, isn't it? This is what Paul seems to be saying. That's what the writer of Hebrews was saying. You're not going to get through this because you're so strong. You're going to get through this because God is so strong. As much as we want to sort of be self-reliant and handle everything that comes our way, part of the message here is we're not. And Paul knew this. Paul knew how difficult it was because he had faced persecution. He had looked death in the eye. He knew it wasn't easy. But he also knew the Spirit of God was at work in him and in all Christians. We only keep going because God keeps us going. And so we've got to say, it's God's strength that's going to get me through. Now my guess is that every single one of us have something that is challenging us today. Maybe something that we're frustrated about. Maybe something that we just, man, we don't know what to do because it seems like we've done everything there is to do. How are we going to have the strength to keep going? To, to press reset and keep moving in the right direction. I'm not going to have that strength. You're not going to have that strength. But God does. We keep going because God keeps us going. Let's pray together. God, we know we need your strength. There's there's stuff in our lives that we don't really know how to handle. And all we can do is come to you today, God, and, and ask you to be at work. To walk with us, to guide us through it. And help us to wear this armor that you have offered us. 
to take up these things that will protect us, truth and righteousness and salvation and faith and peace in your spirit. God, work those things in us so that we stay strong. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.